Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. And being an accountant, no money down, is a pretty foreign concept. Because the world that I come from, if you want to buy something, you either pay cash for it, or you go to a bank or a third party funder and you put down a deposit. So I got to a stage in my life uh, where I had quite a bit of money stuck in a couple of deals. And I'm not gonna bore you with it. I think I did bore you once, by the way, like a couple of years ago uh, about those deals. And then I thought, Kevin keeps talking about no money down. Uh, and let's give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? So very quickly for about five or seven minutes, I'm gonna share with you uh, a deal that I did in terms of no money down. Since then, I've gone on to do quite a few no money down deals, but hopefully, as, as we're talking about inspiration, uh, I'll share this with you. Uh, I mean, Kevin's had no real input, by the way, just, just in case you're wondering. I'm just being nice to him, okay? This was all my work, and he's copied it. Okay, so, I'm gonna share with you how I got 50 grand cash, and 10 and a half flats, and that's all, and 163 grand rental income. So this is uh, a place in Boston, uh, which had planning for 21 flats, 15 one-bedroom, and uh, six, well, five two-bedroom flats and a two-bedroom studio. And you can tell it was in a pretty bad condition, and it had been empty for best part of 13 and a half years. It's in Boston. It's in a pretty bad place. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where do you live? I used to live in Boston. <laughs> Where do you live now? Halfway between here and Boston. <laughs> you live in Wisbeach, don't you? No, 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 near there. Spalding Market Deeping Way. No, just carry on. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know where it is, really. Anyhow, so that's partly when it was finished. But anyway, here's some photos. I'm not going to bore you with the photos. It was in a bad condition. Put it that way. So the purchase price was £375,000, then you got legals, uh, the refurb was best part of half a million pounds, and the interest uh, on the money we were going to borrow was £85,000. So the total cost was £970,000. And remember, at this time, I had best part of, I think, uh, about 600 grand stuck in a couple of property deals, uh, doing the kind of stuff that Phil usually talks about in terms of buying land, planning gains, that type of stuff. I got very excited with, with, with the big stuff and forgot, forgot to do the kind of basics. So 970 is, is where we are. So what I had to do was find a JV partner who can put some money into a particular project and then find also a funder uh, who would uh, finance the rest. So I found a person that I knew and said, do you want to go into this particular deal with me? This is how much money we're going to make. Are you interested? He said yes. I then, so he gave me 37,500 pounds and the, the balance to buy the property came from a private funder and I think we paid him 8% or something per annum to borrow the funds. That gets us to buy the property, okay? So that's where the money came from to buy the property. 
We then needed, uh, you'll recall, 500,000 pounds to refurbish. That came from the JV partner. So I used no money of my own. 100% of the funds came from two different people. One was a JV partner who gave 37,500 pounds to buy the property and half a million pounds to refurbish it. And then a private loan from a private individual, so there's no bank funding involved here, who gave us 337,500 plus obviously the interest. When we'd finished, uh, so this, we, we completed April 2019, finished it end of uh, Feb 2020, and had the valuation done around about, I think, a week after COVID. Uh, so around about 25th, 27th of March. Now you can imagine at that time, values were undervaluing. So uh, this particular uh, project, uh, I think is worth about two to 2.2 .2 million pounds, there or thereabouts. Uh, but it was valued at 1.625 million. And we finally refinanced with Interbay. And at the time, I think that they were giving us 75% loan to value. And I said, those numbers don't work for us, Interbay. Uh, I, I need to get all of my money kind of out of, of the deal. So they in increased the loan to value from 75% to I think about 80, 82 or 83%. So sometimes when you have those conversations, you can get some of the banks. I mean, Interbay are, are pretty flexible. Uh, if you went to Nat Rest or somebody or Lloyds, they're not going to give you 80, 82 or 83% loan to value. We got all of our uh, money back plus £100,000. So that was 50 grand for me, 50 grand for the JV partner. And remember, I've not put in a single penny of my own whatsoever. The rent roll for the one bedroom flats is uh, 7,800 per annum. Uh, and we've got 15 of those. That gives us uh, 117 grand for the two bedroom flats. Uh, and a one bedroom studio, nine grand per annum, so 750 a month. So the rent's not that high really, uh, but that gives us 54,000 pounds. Total rent roll, uh, 171,000 pounds. At the time we completed the project, we had two agents who were willing to take all of the flats and pay us two years guaranteed rent. And because we were kind of at the start of COVID, everything was uncertain. I gave them all 21 flats and we've now had 171 grand coming in uh, for those two years and I know those two years are up now and both agents want to sign another two-year deal so the rent coming in is 171 grand interest that we're paying on uh, the loan to Interbay just over 49,000 other costs I'll put in there for 20 grand so we are making half of uh, 100 grand every single year for pretty much putting no money in whatsoever. I say pretty much, I've put no money in the deal. Plus I've got 50,000 pounds uh, up front. So these are my contact details because people usually ask for them and they're up there. So if anybody thinks no money down doesn't work, and I'm sure you don't by the way because you're on this mastermind, I'm telling you it works. I've done since then one another four deals. Right now we're building 49 houses in Bicker, which is right near Boston, uh, and that is a 100% no money down deal. That that whole development uh, is going to cost us eight million pounds to build, including the land, and the GDV is about 11 and a half million. So uh, after you've taken off uh, bank funding, we're left with about 
between two to 2.4 million pounds profit. And again, 100% no money down deal with exactly the same person. So um, no money down does work. Like I said, ignore everything Kevin says, but when he says to you, do no money down, that's the only thing he's right about, by the way. So now we're gonna talk about tax. Does anybody have any particular questions on anything to do with tax? All right, so over here. So you've got a house in a trust, and are you drawing down income? No. And how long has it been in the trust for? Uh, eight years. And is your aim to draw down income, or is your aim to get that property out, sell it to a third party, or sell it to yourself into a limited company, or your own names? So the plan would be to potentially sell it to a third party after we've refurbished it. Yep. That's what we're looking at now. It's not. It, it's, it's too high a, a value to make any sensible money off rental because you won't get the yield. So we'd rather realise the money, put it somewhere else, and, and then do something with the money. Yep. Well, so, an assisted sale for you. <laughs> there you go. Sorted. So. Is, is your question, should I do that, or what? It's how, how do we do it? The, the legal ownership of where, where does the money end up? And if the house is worth 450 now, yep. and 650 when it's done up. Um, the money ends up in the trust. In the, in yeah. the trust. And then you draw down personally and pay tax on it. Is there anything in the trust that stops you from selling the property at the minute? No, the trust was created as part of the will. And this okay. is in, people keep talking about the trust, but it's an ethereal thing. It was created by the will, but there's no yeah that's fine yeah so sell the property pay the pay the tax on it and you can draw down the funds alongside any of the beneficiaries depending on your share of the ownership okay yeah simple that. yeah yeah that's right so simple as that simple. okay yeah because trusts have a limited life so they don't go on forever so that it's, it's gonna be fine okay all right, somebody had a, a question about share issue. Was that you as well? It was. Um, it, it probably follows on from Gina's point about company structures. So we set the company up, which had. So we're going to link that with exactly. company. That so we'll put that. So we've covered this one here. <laughs> Done. We'll put that over here. Okay, probate. Yes. So the question is, you're buying a, a property through probate, yeah. and you think stamp duty land tax isn't payable? If you flip it and yep. not hold it. Yeah. So the question is, if you buy a property with, with a view to selling it, yeah. so you're a property trader, do you pay stamp duty land tax or not? Yes. The answer is it depends. Okay. <laughs> uh, and now you're testing my memory. So if you're a property trader, and you don't spend more than 10% refurbishing it, and I th or I think it's 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds or 10% of the purchase price, whichever one is lower. Uh, if that's the case, then when you buy a property through pro probate, as long as the person you're buying from lived in the property in the last two years, so you need to find that out. Yeah. They lived in the property for the last two years, you don't spend more than 10% or 10,000 pounds refurbishing it. I'm pretty sure it's 10,000 10, pounds. Uh, then no stamp duty is payable. Okay, so if you pay, if you obviously do a 20 grand refurb, which is like the one I was looking at. Yeah, it might, I will check the figure for you figure. Okay. before I leave. Okay, yeah, yeah well, let me know. Cool, thank you. Yeah, I, it might even be, it's either 10, 10 or 20,000 pounds, yeah. Yeah? but okay. it, it's not a, a very high figure, but it depends how much it's gonna cost you to refurbish it. Yeah, so if it's a, if it's a big refurb, it's not gonna be possible to do that. It's not gonna work, okay, no. cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, who did we have for, Rent to SA. Me again. <laughs> okay. Go on then. Your question is? Uh, so currently I have, I, I've got four rent headways which we've got set up through a limited business. Okay. We'll do it over here so everybody can follow and so can I. So you've got a company over here. Yeah. 
And you got four times the rent to SA, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then we've been taken on 15 to manage. Do you just manage through the, that same company, or is it a different, a different trading company? And so you're going to take on 15 more? 15 to manage, so we're just managing them for a, uh, another investor who's got 15. Who are they, they're not his owned, they're his <coughs> own as well. Yeah, because it, it, it's very similar, I'd just say do it in the same company, it's fine. Do it the same company. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, because okay. you're still doing uh, SA cool. in a slightly yeah, different way. Yeah, that makes it easier. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Cool. Nice and easy to see, isn't it, compared to yesterday? <laughs> uh, company structure, was that you? Yeah. Okay. So we've got four people that are in our company. Yep. Um, two couples. Um, and it's how we structure that because one's a higher rate taxpayer. Okay. So at the moment we've just got two of them as directors, one of them is directors with a higher rate taxpayer. So do you just have a company or do you own any property? Uh, we're just about to do a restricted sale, we don't own any property at the moment. So you've got four. Uh, shareholders and directors, yeah? Well, we've got four people, but uh, we, we've been advised to put two of them on as directors at the moment. Yeah, that's fine. But, so, but all four are shareholders? Yes. Okay. And the question is, what do we do for the higher rate taxpayer? Yeah. Well, it, it depends. How much money are you taking out every year? Well, we don't know yet. We're just starting up. But is it worth, my question, I guess, was, is it worth having a higher rate taxpayer as one of the directors, or is it worth having two of the self-employed people as directors? It matters not, uh, because a director is an officer of the company. So whether somebody's a director or not, to some extent, it is a matter. So uh, directors actually manage the company. Shareholders own the company. So if you're, if you're a director, you have certain roles, responsibilities, powers, and obligations. So it depends if that person wants those or if they don't want those. Mm -hmm. So that's got nothing to do with how much income they take out. I mean, if you're a director, you might take, I'd like a 20,000 pound salary for being a director. Usually in the kind of uh, companies that people normally set up, if there's two or four people involved, if two are directors, they don't usually charge anything for being a director. Mm -hmm. So it's not gonna make a difference. When that person draws down on any income, they'll have to obviously have to pay tax if it's a dividend. Mm -hmm. If they're a director, they might be taking a salary or a bonus. So they can manage that income. That the, what you ought to be doing, and this is, I think, linked to what you, was it you who asked about uh, share issue. Yeah. So what you want to be thinking about doing is, at the moment, I assume, and I, and I could be wrong, by the way, that you've got, let's say, four shares or 100 shares, so everybody owns 25% each. Is that about right? Yeah. And do you have any other classes of shares? No. So what you want to be doing is having what's called as alphabet shares, yeah? So at the moment, there's four of you, and let's say you're saying you need to take out £50,000 a year as a dividend. If you take £50,000 as a dividend, then if all, if all the other shareholders have the same class of shares, which they probably do in your situation, which is going to be ordinary shares, if you take a £50,000 dividend, they have to too. Yeah. Otherwise, there's something called a dividend waiver. It starts getting complicated, messy. You want to avoid that as much as you can. Now that might not work too well for the shareholder who's a high rate taxpayer because he or she may say, this year you take 50 grand, leave my 50 grand in there, I'll take it next year or the year after, yeah? Mm -hmm. You can't do that if you've got ordinary shares. So what you want to be doing is creating, I'd say at least four different classes of shares. So, you, so you'd have class A all the way 
to class D, yep. So you would own 100% of the A shares, the second person 100% of the B shares, and the third one gets the B shares, third one gets C, and the fourth one gets D. This way, if you wanted uh, a 50 grand dividend and nobody else wants a dividend, you would vote, or the company and then the officers would vote for you to have a 50 grand dividend in the class A shares, and nobody else gets a dividend. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, and that gives you the, the flexibility to pay different people different dividends based on the class of shares that they own. The if that was the case then, and obviously everybody still wants the same amount out of the business potentially, would that allow the B class shareholders to keep 50 grand within the company and take it at another time? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because it's going to be difficult if you take money out without them having that money in the company. Because yeah. they'll say, okay, you, you're taking out 50 grand, there's only 50 grand in the company. Next year, we might not, not make any profit. So, how do we know we're going to get our money? So, you, what usually happens is you know exactly what the profit is. And if somebody wants to draw down on their share of the profit after tax, they do that, and the other uh, shareholders leave the funds in there. So that's kind of um, safeguarded for them to take it at a later date? Safeguarded in as much as if the, if the company is trading as a yeah, yeah. going concern and nothing goes wrong and that kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. So they need to be comfortable with that. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Works better when you've got family members, when you've got third parties, starts getting a little bit complicated, because uh, they might not feel comfortable leaving their funds in the company in case something goes wrong. Uh, but it is manageable. Okay. okay? Yep, thank you. Yes, sir. And this comes on to the point where we'd set up a company where my company's got my business partner 50%, my wife 50%, and we, just because I'm a high rate taxpayer, it makes sense when we were starting to do that. Yep. What we'd like to find is go business partner 50%, like, so business partner in your model would be an alpha share, my would be 50% of the company, my wife would be a B share, I'd be a C share, both of us would be 25%. Can we do that? Now the company's up and running in terms of, is there any issue at all in reissuing, rebalancing the share balance? No, you can do that. You just need to get somebody who knows what they're doing to do it. Yeah. But you can do it. That's not a problem. No indications on No. Good. I guess I'll hand over to Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.